Hey, this is Drew Dixon. I'm the Chief Content Nerd at Love I Nerd, and we're doing another Bible Thump. Uh, we're going to look at Mark chapter 6. We're going to look at two stories. Both are kind of about rejection. Both are kind of about people rejecting Jesus, but they're also about his kingdom and what it means to receive it and accept it and participate in it and uh, be invited to it and how we respond to that invitation. Um, so I said last week that much of the Gospels are about kind of three questions. Who is Jesus? What did he do? And why does it matter? And so the Gospels are an invitation to to explore who Jesus is um, and to consider the things that he did. And then finally, to ask ourselves, where do we stand with it? Why does it matter to you? Why does it matter to me? And so we're going to see some people in this passage that um, decided it didn't really matter to them and what the consequences of that were. And hopefully, as we do so, we'll be encouraged to consider our own posture towards Jesus. Um, Because I think that when we do, when we're willing to consider our own posture towards Jesus, and if we're willing to shift that posture, um, the result can be a life of hope, a life of purpose, a life of peace, um, a life of joy. I really do think that's within grasp for you. So... Um, even though this is kind of, in some ways, these two stories are kind of, in some ways, depressing, um, I hope you see the hope that is in them as Jesus invites you to come and be a part of his kingdom. All right, let's read Mark chapter 6. He left there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were also astonished. Where did this man get these things, they said? What is, his wis- what is this wisdom that has been given to him, and how are these miracles performed by his hands? Isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And aren't his sisters here with us? So they were offended by him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, among his relatives and in his household. He was not able to do another miracle there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. He was going around the villages teaching. He summoned the twelve and began to send them out in pairs and give them authority to over unclean spirits. He instructed them to take nothing for the road except a staff, no bread, no traveling bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on an extra shirt. He said to them, wherever you enter... Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that place. If any place does not welcome you or listen to you, when you leave there, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and preached that the people should repent. They drove out many demons, anointed many sick people with oil, and healed them. All right, so uh, Jesus had been teaching about the arrival of God's kingdom. I mean, that's what we've seen him do over and over and over in Mark's gospel. He's, He's preaching this almost too good to be true message that the kingdom of God that had long been promised that people in Israel were waiting for 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 a long time, that they've been living in exile for for centuries. Um, First Assyria, then Babylon, then Persia, and now Rome, right? And, um, And it was devastating if you were a Jew in the ancient world. It was devastating to live in exile, to feel like you weren't free, to feel like um, you didn't have every opportunity afforded to you that, um, that there was someone else in charge. And that was a sign of God's judgment in the mind of most Jews, that God was not pleased with them. And so here comes Jesus preaching about the kingdom of God being here, being at hand, being among us. 
And the way he demonstrates that kingdom is through healings and all kinds of miracles and, and welcoming the poor and the vulnerable. Um, so in other words, Jesus preached about this kingdom and demonstrated that kingdom with the way that he lived and the way that he interfaced with people and the way that he made things new. Um, and that was really exciting for people. But I think in the back of everyone's mind was also this, like, hey, he's going to do something about Rome. Like, he's going to fix. Um, because that's really, in the mind of most ancient Jews at this time, that, that, that was the source of their, of their vulnerability. That was the source of their, of their poverty. That was the source of their difficulty was, was Rome. It was easy to look at Rome and say, hey, that's why things aren't as well for us as they could be. Um, so people loved his healing ministry. People loved um, the way he taught. They loved his teaching, especially people outside Jerusalem in places like Galilee and um, in Capernaum. Um, they loved him there, but I think also they were waiting for the day when he would do something about Rome, right? And so Jesus is doing these, as Jesus is doing these things, particularly in Galilee, there's this growing buzz and excitement around him. People are, are, are excited about who Jesus is and what he's done. But people in Nazareth had heard about what he had done in Galilee and Capernaum and these places, and now they were teasing him, right, and mocking him and challenging him to do the same things back home where everyone knew him. It's like, yeah, of course you can do those things outside of Nazareth, but here we know who you are, Jesus. Like, you're just a carpenter. You're the son of Mary and, and Joseph and the brother of, of, of James and Joseph and Simon, right? Like, you're, you're nobody special is kind of what they're saying. So people in Nazareth had heard about what he was doing, what he had done, and they're not sure they're on board, right? Um, they're not sure they really believe that uh, that this guy is bringing in the kingdom of God, that this guy really is um, is the Messiah, um, that he really is going to make things new. Like they had a hard time getting on board with that. Um, and let's just like pause and say, can't can we all kind of sympathize with that on some level? Haven't you had moments in your life where, I mean, I think it's easy to read stories like this and be like, oh, come on, like, Jesus is rad. Look at all the cool stuff he was doing. Like, look at all these stories about him. He just raised a girl from the dead, and, and he just made this unclean woman clean in this really, like, beautiful and profound way. Like, hadn't they heard these stories? Why can't they get on board with Jesus? What's wrong with them? But the reality about you and me, I think, is that we've definitely all had times in our lives, and maybe you're even here right now where you look at the things Jesus does and did in the Gospels and you just think this is just too good to be true. Like, this can't be real. Um, it can't be that someone loves with the kind of love Jesus loves people with. It can't be that Jesus um, welcomes the, the vulnerable in the way that we see him do in the Gospels. It's too good to be true. So, I think we all need to just pause and consider our posture towards Jesus because something really remarkable happens here um, that we don't see really very often in the Gospels, but it basically tells us that that because of this, Jesus couldn't do miracles there. He was not able, verse 5, to do a miracle there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Um, and he was amazed at their unbelief. Um, so, yeah, there's all over the Gospel stories, especially in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, um, there's this connection between healing, Jesus' kingdom activity, and faith. Um, Jesus would say things like, your faith has made, has made you well, go in peace. Um, Jesus uh, saw the faith of the four men who carried their paralyzed friend down in 
to through the ceiling to be healed by Jesus. Um, you know, again and again and again, um, Jesus is commenting on the faith of those who whom he heals. And so um, I think this is telling us something. It's not that Jesus can't heal unless there's faith present. It's not like he doesn't have that power. But I think what we're seeing here is that God offers us the dignity of a choice as to whether we want to experience the power of his kingdom. Like we have a say in that by God's power, by God's sovereignty. It's not that we're in charge, but God in his sovereignty and in his love says, I'm going to let you you choose whether you want to be a part of this, whether you want to receive my kingdom power and glory. If you want to experience the power of Christ's kingdom in your heart, in your life, in your relationships, um, you need to consider your posture towards him and your posture towards his rule over you. Um, inviting Jesus, welcoming Jesus to to heal you requires trusting him. Inviting Jesus to make things new in your life, inviting Jesus to, to change your life, inviting Jesus to help you live a life of repentance and a life that's going to make a difference in the world for his kingdom um, involves submitting to his rule over you. Following Jesus is a dangerous call- calling. It really is. It's a dangerous calling and it's costly. Um, it would cost... Paul, the Apostle Paul, his life. It would cost Peter, the Apostle Peter, his life. Um, it would it would be costly for these people. Now, it may not cost you your life, don't hear me saying that, but it's going to cost you something. Um, it's going to change your posture. Trusting Jesus is going to change your posture towards the poor and the vulnerable and the needy around you. Following Jesus is going to change your posture towards your, your family, your spouse. It's going to It's going to result in the focus of your life being less and less on your wants and more and more in the good of the world and on his kingdom. That doesn't mean it's not incredibly joyful. It is incredibly joyful, but it but it's it requires a shift. It requires a, a repentance from living for yourself to investing in his kingdom. It's a dangerous calling and it's costly. And when the people of Nazareth heard Jesus' call, they dismissed it as this is <laughs> this guy's just the local handyman's son, right? This is this guy's just a local carpenter. Like, this guy works with wood. How can we trust him, right? Um, and he writes, says, there may be a hidden irony here. He said, Jesus is indeed the one who can fix things, the one who is putting up a building, the one people should go to to get things sorted out. Um, so isn't it interesting that he really is the one true carpenter, and yet um, that's what they dismissed him for, Um so, uh, yeah, there's there's an invitation here to consider your posture towards Jesus. Um, how might that need to change? Um, do you want Christ to exercise his power in your heart, in your life, in your relationships? Um, here's a really simple thing you can do today, is just ask God to help you trust him. Ask him to help you let go of whatever it is that's keeping you from trusting yourself and not trusting in him. Ask him to reveal to you your posture towards him. All right, let's touch briefly on this second story about Jesus sending the 12 disciples out to do ministry like bums, essentially. <laughs> like like they go out looking very poverty-stricken. Um, they were to take no money, um, nothing for the road except a staff, no bread, no traveling bag, uh, no extra pair of clothes, right? Uh, they would wear sandals, but not put on an extra shirt. And he said, whenever you enter a house, stay there. 
until you leave that place. And if any place does not welcome you or listen to you when you leave, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So Jesus is saying, I'm sending you out to do, uh, to do ministry in my name, to carry on the same work that I'm doing, which, by the way, is a sign of God's love for his people. Like when you love someone, you share work with them. You trust them to do important work and to carry on projects that are meaningful to you. Um, that's a difficult thing as a parent sometimes is to like trust your children to do uh, things around the house because when you trust them to do those things, you're you're like they're not going to do – there's a good chance they're not going to do it with the same care and attention as you do them. And then you have to teach them again and, you know, and on and on. And that's why a lot of times parents don't don't ask their kids for help on things. But we should. But we should because when we do, we show them that we love them, that we trust them to help care for the things that matter to us. Um, and so this is an act of love that Jesus sends his disciples out to do this. But he says, when you do this, there's going to be people that, that don't listen to you. Again, it's that dignity of a choice theme um, that there are going to be people that, that hear this message of the kingdom and say, that's not for me. And so... Um, Jesus says you just have to be prepared to move on. Like it's a symbolic act of judgment where but it's not a symbolic act of judgment and like, oh, you're screwed, like I'm done with you, but it's this act of saying, like, hey, um, I can't keep investing. Uh, shaking the dust on your off your feet is a way of saying, I'm not gonna keep investing in you if there's if there's zero interest here. Um, I'm gonna move on. And like hopefully that helps you see that you you may actually need Jesus. So there, there's there's some hope, there's some love in that act, even though it seems it might seem harsh, harsh to us at first glance. Um, but yeah, the disciples go out and do the same things Jesus did. Um, he empowered them to carry on his ministry. And the way he tells them to prepare, or to not prepare, rather, very much for this work, uh, tells us about the urgency of it. Um, he was urgently calling his disciples to urgently go to people and participate in spreading his kingdom with urgency, with, um, with clarity of focus, that there would be nothing that would distract them, that they would go and do this urgently and with, with great conviction. So I think there's a call for us here to consider whether we live with a similar gospel urgency. I'm not saying that we go and panic and, and beg for food as we proclaim the kingdom. Um, but what I am suggesting is that um, we consider what, again, what our posture is, not only towards Jesus, but towards the good news that he proclaims. Like, are we demonstrating? Are we embodying that good news with urgency? Are we asking God to like step into our hearts and lives and use us in our relationships, in our families, in our friendships, in our relationships with our spouses, um, and all in our workplaces, in all these places, like, God, use me to be an instrument of your kingdom in this space for your glory. Like, is that something that we are excited to participate in, that we, that we see as, like, vital, that we see that as um, something that should be constantly and actively, like, shaping my interactions, my focus, my outlook, uh, my behavior, uh, my posture towards God and, and my neighbor. Following Christ is not nearly as complicated as sometimes we make it out to be. Sometimes we think we need all the special knowledge and all, all these tools and all these things, but like it's, re it's really simple. Like, let's, here's a really simple thing to do. Like, ask God to use you in those spaces. 
ask God to give you urgency to, to, I'm not saying you have to like go to your friend and be like, are you a Christian? Because I need to know now, like you've got to decide if you're going to follow Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. Um, be a good friend, love people wisely. Um, don't make them feel like projects, right? Love them well. But what I am saying is that there ought to be some sense of like urgency that we, that we wake up each day and ask God, like, use me today. I want to be an active ingredient in your kingdom. I want to be an active herald, proclaimer, participant, um, person. I want to be a kingdom-minded person today. Help me. Help me take a step today. That's it for me today. We'll see you again next week for another Bible Thump.